Dr. Steve, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm really stressed out. I, I'm late uh, for this phone call because I just I just went shopping. Uh, <laughs> It's oh, the only no. it, it's the only time I leave the house. I mean, you know, we're we're self isolating. We haven't had anybody over. I left yep. uh, New York City about three weeks ago, uh, so you feel really safe in your home, obviously. And then it's so nerve wracking when you leave your house to go do the basics, which is uh, you know uh, grocery shopping. So, yeah, uh, I want to start there. I we finally got some gloves. We got some very cheap masks. And not a lot because obviously the medical uh, community need them way better, way more than us. Um, so I leave the house that way now. I, I don't leave the house without a mask and, and gloves on. Um, okay. it, how how safe is that? Walk me through that for a minute or two, if you will. Sure. Well, uh, initially, uh, we recommended that people don't wear masks unless they were sick. Yeah. So that it seemed to prevent people who were sick from coughing and spreading droplets, but it didn't uh, seem to uh, be worth the effort for people who were not sick um, to wear them because it, you know, the, the evidence wasn't there. Now, because this thing has evolved, that, that was in the beginning when there were a couple thousand cases, you know, back in in the good old days, in, say, March 1st, the United <laughs> States only had 62 cases. Right. Um, now we're up to, uh, you know, 140,000 and change. And um, uh, with uh, 17,987 new cases today, now we're recording this on April 1st. Yes. Now that's WHO data, the Johns Hopkins data. You know, you got to pick one. So um, now that it's we're exposed to it more frequently in public. There is some sentiment that it may help some to wear a mask. So I've totally relaxed on that recommendation. If you want to wear a mask, it's uh, fine to do that. It also, the other benefit to wearing a mask is it keeps you from touching things and then sticking your fingers in your face or your nose, mouth, or eyes. Uh, not so much the eyes, eye protection would do that, but at least from sticking your finger in your nose and your mouth. Right, exactly. And uh, there are some people that just can't stop doing it. You know, we talked last time about that lady from, I don't know if it was Health and Human Services, who was telling people not to touch their face, and then she licked her finger to <laughs> turn the page. Yeah. Of, <laughs> you know, and, and my boss is that way. I was in a meeting with her, and we're in the middle of this thing, and she's biting her fingernails. Oh, my And normally God. I wouldn't say anything, but sure. I had to say, look, you got to stop doing that. And then uh, we were on, on a conference call, and she's doing it again. I actually reached over. I mean, it's obnoxious, and pulled her hand. From her mouth. We were laughing about it. We have that kind of relationship. Yeah. But it is really hard. And those people really kind of do need to wear a mask just to remind themselves not to touch your stupid face. And let's go a, a step further. Dr. Fauci, when he's doing those press conferences with uh, Trump, he's touching the podium. He's touching the microphone. He's pulling the microphone down so he could speak. Yeah. I mean, if he can't stop uh, himself from touching everything, then, uh, then we have no chance. Yeah. And I've been and more cognizant of places that don't have automatic doors that there's no way I could say use my elbow to leverage the door open I have to use my hands yeah and you know when you talk about using gloves proper technique is important because 
the glove is only as good as the technique that you use. So, for example, if, uh, let's say, someone snots on a table and uh, you touch that table with your glove and now you've transferred viral particles onto the fingers of your glove, you, you're kind of protected unless you then scratch your nose with your gloved hand or when you're taking it off, you don't use the correct technique to get the stupid glove off so you don't contaminate yourself. Well, so yeah. they're not, the gloves aren't perfect and um, they, uh, you still need to wash your hands when you take them off and uh, use uh, proper you know, technique in uh, disposing of them. The way to do it is to, uh, <clears throat> you know, to, to evert the glove off of your hands. And uh, you get under the lip with the one hand and then just take them both and just sort of uh, turn them inside out and, and toss them into the trash. That's exactly- and then wash your hands because yeah. in doing that, you may have contaminated. Of course, of course. Well, that's exactly what I did. So uh, the other thing is, so I walk into the supermarket, I got a mask on, and I, I know that's just in case, you know, God forbid I have it, I'm, I'm protecting others from that. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's one good reason why you should be wearing yeah, absolutely. a mask. Uh, with, the, with the volume of asymptomatic people out there, I think, yeah, it's making more and more sense for people to wear yeah. masks, even if they're not sick. All right. And so it leads to the next question, you know. You don't feel safe when you leave your house. Then you got your gloves on. You got your mask on. You're in the supermarket. You're touching everything. You're grabbing stuff. Obviously, I'm yep. only grabbing stuff that I know I need. I'm not like browsing and picking things up and going, oh, I wonder what the health benefits of this is. <laughs> not doing any of that anymore. You're not doing that, but everybody else is. I'll I, tell you that. Yeah, I understand. So you got to assume every product you pick up in, in a supermarket, a lot of people have probably touched. My question to you is, how safe is that? Uh, uh, The virus on products, on cardboard, on uh, produce, on meat. Uh, What do you think is going on there? Are we safe or or does the virus live on those surfaces for, you know, a period of time? Yeah. um, So to my knowledge, there's not been a single case that we know of of um, foodborne COVID-19 transmission. Now, we may find some, but it's, it's unusual. That, uh, all this business of uh, this virus living, quote-unquote living, on cardboard and steel and stuff, were, this was, came from a study, and I, w- I believe it was in New England Journal of Medicine, and what they were really doing was comparing this virus to the original SARS virus. So they had data on how long SARS could be detectable on cardboard under laboratory conditions, steel, plastic, and aerosols. So when they did aerosols, they did something that we don't do. We didn't, when we cough, we don't create an aerosol exactly. We create m- micro droplets, which seems uh, like a very fine distinction, but it's a, a good distinction because these droplets, once they're ejected from the body, uh, sink to the ground because of gravity. And, uh, you know, aerosols, what they did in laboratory conditions was to, was to make this into sort of an atomized mist. And then they went in in an enclosed laboratory environment and saw and, and tried to detect the virus and uh, determined how long it took for half the virus to disappear. So in other, that's what we call a half-life. You learned about that in geology, maybe. Yeah. And so the half-life 
of uh, the virus in an aerosol form is about an hour, which means about three half-lives. You're uh, uh, in a barely detectable area, and uh, by four to six hours, it's completely non-detectable under laboratory conditions. Now, same thing with cardboard, uh, but this is an exponential curve. It's like, oh, if you put, let's say, 100 particles on a piece of cardboard and we say, well, you can detect it for, um, you know, 24 hours, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's not 100 for 23 hours and 59 minutes, and then all of a sudden at 24 hours it's zero. Sure. Right? That doesn't make sense. Right. So the half-life on cardboard is around three and a half hours. So if you put 100 particles on that cardboard in three and a half hours there will be 50 and then another three and a half hours there'll be 25 another three and a half you know 12 12 and a half yeah so uh just because it's detectable using very sensitive scientific ink equipment does not mean that it's infectable so if we could get it from somebody hawking a loogie on cardboard or coughing on cardboard, we would have had all kinds, thousands and thousands and thousands of cases just from the cardboard shipments that are shipped out of China every single day. Of course. You know, so, in the United States. And that didn't happen. Yeah, so let me dumb it down. So I brought my groceries in into the house. Uh, minimal risk that I brought the virus into my home through the groceries? Yeah, uh, we we don't know the answer to that, but there does not seem to be... Any cases so far of someone saying my only contact was with it, with the groceries? Yeah. Okay. And, and should we be white and now? If you feel uh, so inclined, uh, wiping. Down, I know there are people that when they get their stuff in, they wipe it down. I think that makes you feel better. I don't know that it makes you safer, but it certainly doesn't hurt anything. Okay. So I, I think that's fine to wipe everything down, and then of course wash your hands. Don't stick your fingers in your nose, mouth, and eyes. Exactly. Now, I got to go back. So we did our first um, podcast about the coronavirus early, uh, I think it was late February. Late February. And I okay. got to tell you, Dr. Steve, uh, your, your info over a month ago was so accurate uh, it was way more accurate than, you know, I don't want to get political, so I'll just, I'll be vague, way more accurate than, uh, the talking heads on TV, the politicians on TV. Uh, it's too bad. More people didn't listen to Dr. Steve and turn off the freaking TVs because you were right on with this whole thing. I, I listened back to that episode and, and your, your facts were very, very accurate. You said, look, we're going to get through this, but it's going to be devastating, and we're going to go through a lot of grief. And uh, yeah. and and you were warning people well over a month ago when most people were like, "Ah, we have 15 cases, then that's going to go down to zero. And uh, so, with that said, I, I want to acknowledge that you know you're right on with your info. And uh, well, yesterday at the press conference, you know they finally started really telling us the truth, and they're basically saying. If we continue the social distancing and stay in our homes and really, really take this seriously, we can knock the deaths down to, what do they say, between 100 and 200,000 in America. Yeah. 
Uh, what's scary about that, that's if we're perfect with our social distancing and staying away from everybody and doing the right thing and not touching all sorts of stuff and then touching our faces and picking our nose and rubbing our eyes. Right. So the fact is, it's safe to say that that number is going to be well over 200,000 because it's going to be in between doing nothing and, and, and being perfect, right? Yeah, it's, um, well, look, my, I was very, I, I don't know if pleased is the right word, but I was somewhat self-satisfied that uh, Fauci's projections and mine going back several months were pretty close. I, I, you know, I'm just sort of a dumbass playing around with numbers. And uh, what I originally looked at was uh, the the penetrance of influenza, which was about 60 million cases. And then at worst case scenario, saying if all 60 million people that got influenza also got this in this country, which would be about a fifth of the country, uh, at 3% mortality, we're looking at 1.8 million people dying from this. Yeah. And that was what they said their worst case scenario was. Right. So it was between 1.5 and 2.2 million. So 1.8 was right in there. Of course it was. And But with full mitigation we could get this thing down uh, to 100,000 to 200,000. My original hope was that we could uh, arrest this at the same level that China did. So uh, China uh, kept their percent of infected population, if you can believe their numbers, down to 0.005% of the population. And I said, surely to goodness, we can do at least as well as China did. Yeah. But we crossed that threshold on March 23rd when we went from 0.00464% of our population to 0.009% of our population in one day. Wow. And um, um, so now we're at about 0.04% of our population has been infected that we know of. Those are the cases we know of. Yeah, sure. Um, if you use the Diamond Princess as sort of a, uh, which was the cruise ship that was uh, uh, quarantined off the coast of Japan, um, as sort of a microcosm of of the whole world, 17% of people on that ship actually contracted the virus. Even though you've been on cruise ships, I'm assuming, you're interacting with people all the time. Yeah. And uh, 17% of people got it. There were cases where the husband, the wife got the virus and they were cooped up in the same room quarantine and uh, the husband didn't get it. And of those, about 1%, 1.4% died. Yeah, but the fact is, uh, the reason why the husband didn't get it, they haven't had sex in 20 years. <laughs> well, that's true. This Are you isn't kidding sexually me? transmitted, but you're right. The, 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 that that I, part is probably true, whether causation and correlation don't always don't always mean the same my, thing. My, my eyebrow. My, but, well, let me, let me finish yeah, my yeah, point ahead, on this one thing. I'll... The, Forty-six uh, percent of people that tested positive because they tested every single person on that ship multiple times. Forty-six uh, percent of the people that tested positive were asymptomatic. So if we can use that, we can estimate well for about every one patient that we know about, there's at least one person that has it that we don't know about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're probably at point oh eight percent of our population, which is still 
far below 1% of the population. Unbelievable. I was just going to finish up when I found out that uh, just, Justin Trudeau's wife had it, but he didn't. I My eyebrows uh, raised. <laughs> <laughs> they raised up like, oh, someone's not having <laughs> sex at home. No, you could be in the same room, cooped up with the same person, breathing the same air and not get it from them. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. So, well, or, and then you see other families where it's just swept right through the family. Of too. course. That's what's so scary about this. You never know, you know? Yeah. And, and obviously, younger people People are having a tough time with this. The one thing, you know, we're keeping track of the numbers on CNN and MSNBC and Fox, and that makes for people to watch more because you see the numbers going up, right? And it's a whole culture of fear, and the media understands that, and they know we're watching, and we're seeing those numbers go up, and that makes us watch even more. But what what is pissing me off, believe it or not, because I you know I took advantage of the culture of fear over the years for sure with my radio shows. Uh, but in this case, what's really bothersome is the fact that uh, I think we're close to a million um, people infected in the world, and but they're not telling you how many of those people actually have recovered. Right, we won't know that until the very end. But they, I mean, you can estimate it. But uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, uh, Steve. You're right. But the fact is that the the media outlets do know that out of that total number, they they could take an educated guess of a percentage of those people that are actually, you know, uh, passed the virus and are not uh, showing sure. any symptoms and they're now uh, testing negative. Yeah. So uh, the, there's a couple of ways you can do that. One is we know if the mortality rate on average is. 1.1 1. 1 to 1.5% somewhere in there. Um, and that's of the cases that we know about. So if it's true, there's twice as many cases than we think, then you can divide that by two. Right. Um, but let's just, so let's just say 1%. We know 99% of people will uh, recover. So there's a couple of ways that you can determine uh, how many people recovered. One is... You uh, test everybody eventually and see how many have the antibodies. Those tests will be here this week or next. Uh, And uh, at the end of it, you say, how many people had it, to your best estimation? How many died? And you subtract the two, and that's how many recovered. Now, if we know that people get who are infected on day one, 97% of those will show symptoms by day 11. Okay, so most of them by day five, but you'll catch 97% of all the people getting symptoms by day 11. And then they're sick for another two weeks. So let's say uh, uh, 11 plus 14 is, what, 25. So if you go uh, 30 days and, and work your numbers backward, okay, then you can, over those 30 days, how many people died, how many new cases did you have? You can estimate how many people recovered from that, but you've got to use sort of a, a data that lags by 30 days. Well, and we're barely, yeah, uh, we're in day 71 in the whole world. No, I understand. You know, we had our, we posted our first cases around March 1st. Right. So we're barely able to even start on that 30-day moving average. Well, you broke it down with the math, but I guess my point is, you know, the media should at least uh, give us a little hope by saying, look, this number is really, really scary. But we do know that a bunch of these people are are absolutely, uh, you know, uh, testing negative now for the coronavirus. So if you get it. 
Yeah. On average, just anybody. Yeah. Uh, on average, ninety nine percent of people will get better. Now there are age groups and certain subsets of people who are at higher risk. Right. But even then, if you're eighty years old, your risk of dying, let's just you know, it's fifteen twenty percent maybe. That still means eighty percent of people who get it who are eighty. Yeah. Will will survive and do very well. But that, uh, if you sounds... have no risk factors, if you don't have heart disease, yeah, yeah. diabetes, uh, a depressed immune system, uh, the, the odds of you dying are actually uh, less than 1%. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned the antibodies in there. So that's really fascinating. There's going to be a test. And if they could determine that you actually had the coronavirus, safe to yep. say you could just enter back into society, right? That is correct. That's that. Assuming that these antibodies are protective, and we don't have any reason to think that they aren't, yeah. Uh, then people who test positive for IgG antibodies, and I'll explain that in a second. Those people show resolved uh, uh, or remote exposure. So here's what happens: the human body has these cells that uh, detect foreign antigens in the body, and then they start to make a lot of different responses, and one of those is this antibody response. So they will make these antibodies called IgM. It's immunoglobin M, and IgM antibodies are the the sort of first salvos in this war that the body is fighting against this virus. And uh, these are some of the antibodies will be effective, some will not be, but the ones that are effective we call you know uh, neutralizing antibodies, and they will. Uh, attack the the virus and prevent it from implanting and uh, market for destruction by white blood cells. Now, after a while, the memory, the body will retain some memory of that virus. That's how you can only get measles once. And the antibodies that you produce that are the body's memory are these things called IgG antibodies or immunoglobin G. So now, if you test somebody and they test positive for IgM but not IgG, then that's someone who's either currently infected or very recently infected. If you test them and they have both IgM and IgG, means that they are, it's probably a little bit more remote, but they still have the acute antibodies, which means it was a very recent infection, but they are starting to develop that immune memory. And then if they have no IgM and nothing but IgG, then those are people who have resolved their um, their infection. And those people particularly should be good to go as far as work is concerned. Now, these tests aren't 100% perfect. This is the only caveat. Yeah. Is... Um, the they there's some possibility that they will cross react with other coronaviruses that are very common and so we we got to find out how specific these tests are and uh, once we know that then we'll be able to tell people yeah there's a <clears throat> you know 98% chance that you've been exposed to this and you're good to go particularly if they had a recent syndrome yeah that's unbelievable cuz it'll it'll start a, a new class uh, system People that That's have right. it and people that don't. I mean, you'll you'll feel like Superman out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? If, if those antibodies are are effective in protecting you from further infection, which, like I said, we don't have any reason to think that they won't be, Yeah. then, uh, yes, those people should be able to return to the workforce. And 
you know, what I'm a little nervous about is they're going to have sort of like the scarlet letter, except the reverse, where people will be wearing some some something on the outside that says that, you know, I survived the virus. Well, and of course, the that'll be uh, the catastrophist will say that's the number of the beast or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, no. I, you know how you're going to tell it's going to be everyone out in society that has nice haircuts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because they found a barber that also po- tested positive yeah, for yeah, ITG. It, so. They'll feel, uh, you know, safe enough to get a haircut. So you'll be able to, I mean, my hair's a mess, but whatever. Um, yep. So uh, l- let's uh, get cut to the chase. We're in this for the long haul. You're still thinking at least a year before we get a, a vaccine. And, and uh, where are we at with like, uh, you know, drugs that will, you know, help the symptoms and, and lower yep. the risk of dying from this? I'm hopeful that the hydroxychloroquine azithromycin combination will be successful. Now, uh, people keep tweeting to me, well, this guy treated 300 people and they all got better. And the thing is, I'm very encouraged by that, but it's still anecdotal evidence. If I tell you something worked for me, that's anecdotal evidence. If I tell you something worked for me a thousand times, it's still anecdotal evidence. And it's the weakest kind of evidence. We need controlled trials, and they are going on right now. I'm still advocating people in my hospital to try it. Uh, there's another drug called uh, tocilizumab that is um, a monoclonal antibody that reduces a certain kind of hyperinflammation in the body. So when, when you have, in certain people, a very small subset of people, when they get this virus, their immune system goes crazy. It goes ham on this virus, and you would think that would be a good thing. And normally it is, but when, they go, when, it, when the immune system goes ham, it releases all these inflammatory proteins called cytokines, and they can end up in the kidneys, in the liver, and other places uh, along the blood vessels and cause uh, a catastrophic syndrome we call cytokine storm that causes uh, kidney failure and multi-organ failure. And this tocilizumab is a drug that we use for rheumatoid arthritis, and it will shut that down. And so what I'm hoping is that even if people get so sick that the um, hydroxychloroquine can't help them, that this tocilizumab will stop them from dying. Wow. And uh, it's a really cool drug, and uh, I'm uh, very interested in seeing the trials that come out of that. So we need controlled trials to know if this stuff really works. But, you know, hydroxychloroquine is so well tolerated that uh, a lot of docs are just trying it just because there's enough anecdotal evidence out there to uh, allow them to use it. They're only using it in the sickest people, though. And um, that's, you know, data on trying it in people when they first show symptoms or data on trying it on, say, healthcare providers to prevent uh, the disease is going to be harder to get. Now, I know you're a doctor and a scientist, so you don't like, uh, you know, uh, putting guesswork out there. But, you know, I'm doing a silly podcast, so I need your help here. What what <laughs> What's your estimate uh, where we'll, we'll have this... I don't want to say under control, but we'll be on the other side of it where we really feel like uh, we could completely knock the fear down uh, in people. Well, okay. So um, let's, there's two kinds of worlds. There's one where we develop a treatment 
that keeps people out of the hospital and keeps people out of the ICU. If we have that in the next couple of weeks, let's just say these hydroxychloroquine trials come back. Yeah. And they say, yeah, if you people early enough in the disease, we can keep them out of the hospital almost uh, all the time, say 90% of the time. Okay. We can keep them out of the hospital. And that therefore keeps them from dying. This thing's over. Yeah. Then it's then it becomes influenza. Right. And uh, even during the influenza pandemic of 2009, when the swine flu came through, which, by the way, I had one of my regular listeners contributor to my show die from that and another one end up on the ventilator and he's okay yeah uh, that's uh, richard david smith from uh, who owns hyperphysics of course Give him a little plug it's a energy drink for nerds and um uh he ended up on the ventilator uh that the death rate from that was about 0.1 percent so if we can get this back down to that this becomes influenza we all go back to work and you're hopeful that uh, we're heading down that road. I would love to see that. Yeah. Okay, but that's what we have to have. Yeah, yeah. For this to be over abruptly. Gotcha. Now, uh, and and then we have to have the supplies of those medications, too, because you can imagine the demand is going to be out the roof. Now, with full, just nothing but mitigation, waiting for a vaccine, then we're looking at at least nine months of at least some of us being isolated. Wow. And uh, that's just because, uh, you know, we will build up herd immunity. But right now, we're at less than 1% of the population. Yeah. Way less than 1%. Right. Less than, you know, a half of 1%. Right. Less than a half of a half of 1% right now. So we're not going to build up herd immunity the way that we're going, which is actually good. We don't want to do that. Because that, that was the British idea, or you know, in the United Kingdom, they thought initially, we'll just let this thing blow through and uh, develop herd immunity and let that take care of it. Yeah. And um, they, I'm glad that they didn't go that way. The Royal Academy said this is a mistake, and their projection showed what would happen. It would be, it would have led to a complete collapse of the British uh, system. Now, the good news. Let me give you some good news. Yeah, please. I'm looking at Italian numbers. We all know Italy has been one of these places where this thing just went went out of control. I'm looking at the last 10 days, and I'll have this on my COVID sit rep on YouTube on the Laugh Button channel on Sunday. Beautiful. Uh, but their, their new cases have leveled out. They are now in what we call arithmetic increase instead of geometric or exponential increase. So they're going up by the same number every day instead of the same multiplier. Okay. Okay. So going up by the same number means you go 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, right? Yeah. So you're going up by adding 2 instead of going 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, which is you go up every day by multiplying by 2. Gotcha. So whatever that factor is. Uh, one is exponential and one is linear, and they're going up at a linear rate right now. And actually, their number of new cases over the last four days has dropped. So that's a really good sign. Yeah, that's absolutely a good sign. I, I heard you coughing in uh, during this. Are you all right, Dr. Steve? Uh, this is the worst time in the world to have a pandemic, particularly when you're in healthcare, because I've got allergies. Yeah. And I get the, every year this same crap that i get every year yeah and uh yeah i'm not coughing so much as just i'm phlegmy and i'm having to clear my throat so 
Do you, do you notice this is the first allergy season I did not call you? Because I'm like, I think he has more on his plate <laughs> I than, know. than helping me out with, should I take a, 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 an Allegra, an Allegra <laughs> Should I get it in hell? Or every year, Dr. Steve has to hear me and, and my stupid allergies. And, and he's so nice and polite because all he has to say is, what? just do the same thing that I told you last year. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah I'm leaving yeah, you alone. Just replay. Let me just replay last year's call. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, do you have cases in your in your uh, hospital and all that? Yes. Yeah. Is it getting I can't out of control? Say a whole lot about no, it. I understand. I understand yeah. that. I'm not yeah. trying to. But yeah, well, well we, I, I asked that because I, I hear from other medical uh, professionals out there. It's like you know. Hasn't uh hasn't really hit my hospital yet, you know. We're we're thinking uh, it's not going to be that bad, and I think every hospital is going to get bad before it gets better and very bad, right? There's no yeah. there's no escaping this. <clears throat> well, there yes, actually, look look here's the thing: if we isolated everybody perfectly right now, if somehow we could seal every person in the United States into a hermetically sealed room so there was no way that they could come in contact with anyone else. We would stop transmission of this today, right? Yes, of course. Well, the people who were exposed yesterday, 97% of them will show symptoms 11 days from now. Yep. Within the next 11 days. Yep. And then it'll be at least two weeks before they're better, okay? So we're looking at 25 days. So anything we do today is going to take at least 25 days before you even begin to see the uh, the effects. Can you talk to Florida? So, I, uh, two weeks ago, I said Florida is going to get us all killed. Because as, yeah. as I hear you saying, you know, as long as we do the right thing and we stay indoors and we social distance, and yeah. most of us are sacrificing a lot to do that, obviously. And yeah. Florida is just still willy-nilly. As we record this on April 1st, they still have beaches open. They're still allowing, you know, the boats to hang out at the sandbars, which is a, a great activity in Florida. You know, you pull your boat up to a sandbar and you, you tie yeah. a... Uh, your boat to a whole bunch of other boats and it's one big party and they're still allowing a lot of that stuff in florida and the dummy down there's basically saying well we're waiting for the federal government to you know give us the guidelines on what we should do when most governors at this point are basically saying i ain't waiting for nobody we're shutting things down yeah yeah i i don't uh, i haven't kept up on what's going on in florida now i know that they shut down a lot of the spring break activity which was a good thing well they had beaches open um no joke yesterday no joke and yeah. a lot of people are pointing at florida like what are you guys waiting for yeah a, you know a beach is a decent place to walk and you can they're pretty big you can keep away from people what uh, i think you know to have walking traffic on the beach is probably might be therapeutic for some people. True. But yeah, to to allow people to congregate on the beach or congregate anywhere is a really bad idea. Well, right I mean, in New York City, they had the the hospital ship come in, um, you know, next to the Intrepid on the Hudson River, on the yep. uh, on the west side, and the video and the pictures of that was unbelievable because everyone's like they've never seen a ve a vehicle a, a vessel like that. So they go down yeah. to the river to, you know, do their selfies and stuff. And now they're with crowds of people checking yeah, out the hospital shit. Exactly the opposite of what was intended by of bringing course. that boat there. Of course. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I know you got to go and I know you. People, I, I do. But I, for people who think that you and I are being, uh, um, what, overly cautious yeah. by talking about crowds, Google 
1918 Philadelphia Parade. We may have talked about this last time. Yeah. But uh, during the influenza epidemic, or pandemic of 1918, which my dad lived through, by the way, he wow. was two years old. Wow. Um, they uh, had decided to throw a parade in the middle of this pandemic. And you can watch, uh, if you look at the graphs of the cases, that these cases were sort of smoldering along at a low level. And then there's this huge spike right after the the parade. So being in crowds really is the thing. Yeah. And it really does make a difference. It's it, Viruses love it. Of course. When we get together because we are social creatures and we love to be together. Yeah in large crowds and we'll be able to do it again just not now right and uh finally you know you're cooped up in the house with your kids and your wife how's that going buddy great i you know i'm kind of an introvert same so i i I, i've all my meetings have been canceled yeah i get to do everything by phone yeah Uh, i don't have to have people over to my house i'm kind of digging it to be honest with you (laughs) but i know other people are going absolutely stir crazy bonkers uh, if you have a virtual reality helmet, I am highly recommending using that. And if you, if if you have one, if it's an Oculus Go or an Oculus Quest, and these people are not uh, sponsors of mine or anything, they're just friends. Uh, there is an app called Trip T R I P P, and it is a, a meditation app. And I know it sounds like I'm being some sort of uh, I don't know whatever new agey weirdo, but. This is the most incredible app for just taking your stress level from a 10 down to a 2 in the space of about 8 minutes and you don't you're not going to f- fail a drug test by doing it. It is absolutely incredible and they love our listeners so much that they've given a uh, discount of 20% to anyone who uses the code DRSteve. Just DRSteve. I don't get anything from it. I don't have an affiliate agreement with them. They just wanted to uh, let people give it a try. And you can demo it for free, too. So You're selling just, a lot of units, Dr. Steve. You need to get a little taste. i got to represent you. No, no, no. i got to represent I, you and get your you taste. Know, I, you know, one of the guys from the laugh button was like, "Well, you're getting a lot of heat from this." And I go, "That's I, that's not what I am, am okay. I'm not. I don't want to be seen as somebody that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always hate it when Al Roker and <laughs> and the weatherman when there's a when there's a hurricane coming. They love it, you know, because they get of to course. be in the center of attention, and you can really tell that they love it. I do not love this, dude. I my Al Roker story. So we used to go down the Outer Banks, uh, and we got shut out two years in a row by hurricanes. We had a flea after we were in our house and loving our vacation. I went at it with uh, Al Roker on Twitter. I was so mad because I was with the locals, and the locals are basically saying this hurricane is nothing. We've we've been through a million of these things. And as we're leaving, all the locals are on their front uh, porches with their drinks, waving goodbye (laughs) to all the idiots from New York, like, bye, (laughs) idiots. We're riding this out. And the reason why so many people uh, left, it's, it goes back to that culture of fear. You know, if the hurricane is really bad, you're going to watch TV more. Al Roker understands this. He's in that business. So I went after Al Roker, and we went back and forth. I'm like, you you effed up our vacation and many others. You knew this hurricane was going to, you know, make that turn, uh, to, you know, uh, out into the ocean and, and uh, you know, whatever. We, we, we went at it. But then, yeah. but then well, we became kind of friends online, and you know, we, yeah. Whether they're right or wrong, they, they love it. Yeah, of course. You know, my, our local guys, when there's tornadoes coming through, yeah, 
the focus is on them. They absolutely just, uh, you know, and you can tell just by the look on their face yeah. and the tone of their voice that they're just yeah. having a blast being finally being able to give excellent information on something. And I, I'm not, you know, one of the guys say, well, you should increase your subscription rate. No, I'm putting my podcasts out there that are COVID related for free. They're not behind the paywall anymore. So I just don't want to yeah. be seen as profiteering. No, that, uh, Patreon uh, reached out to me very recently. He's like, uh, you know how much money you can make with a Patreon account? I'm like, I don't care, man. I, I want to keep my stuff uh, for free. There's, you know, there's a lot of. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of stuff you you pay for, and I'm not I'm not taking shots at anyone that's doing that because they might be in a different situation than me or or whatnot. Yeah, but, yeah, of course, of course, but, of course. But I just feel like you know if I can you know keep it as free as possible, and I'm getting some advertisers, so I could you know continue yeah. to pay some of these bills anyway. But well, whatever. Yeah, and I, we don't need to pat each other on the back you know too much on this. But I, my my stuff is behind a paywall at drsteve.com yeah not because i want to make money off of it although you know it's nice yeah of course but uh because i don't want my employer digging around it they would have to go that extra <laughs> step to go through and see you know listen to some of the earlier things i just assume they don't listen to right hey <laughs> that's really all the only that, reason that's that. hilarious can i can i end with one morbid question i think we've talked about this over the years on on the radio you've You've seen a lot of people uh, pass and die. What's yep. the what's the one, literally the one thing you take away from uh, you know witnessing that over and over again? Uh, yeah, all these years. What's the well, one thing um, that sticks out in your mind? What I can tell you is, leaving this world is a, is the price of admission. You know, if you're going to be here, you got to agree to leave. Well, you don't have to agree, but it's going to happen. Sure. And uh, knowing that death is a natural part of life doesn't make it any easier to deal with. Really? For a lot of people. Right. And that's basically what I've taken out of this. Wow. You know, I probably went into this to deal with my own mortality. For the people who are listening don't know what we're talking about, I, you know, I'm a palliative medicine physician. Yes. Uh, that's my specialty. And um, I, um, so I deal with a lot of death and dying and mayhem and stuff. And uh, that that's the one thing I can take out of this. But I, I probably got into this to deal with my own thoughts of my own mortality you know okay uh uh, and you know i mean energy never goes away and and there's energy in every human being so you got to think that energy you know i don't we can't define it in human terms but you got to think when you you pass your energy goes off and you know does something else whether you want to call well well, sure i mean mass yeah is energy so yeah, all of that energy that is contained in your mass is still there. The electrical energy, is, you know, the last time a neuron fires in your brain, that's the end of that. So now, if you want to talk about the soul, yeah, uh, that's a the, those are faith-based statements because we ne- we can't measure it. Sure, you know. So show me how you can encode information. So like my memories, how can I encode those in a non-physical form? And then somehow transmit them to to where to some other dimension. Right. Okay, what's the mechanism of that? Is it if it's unknowable, it's unknowable. We just can't know it, and then I, I can't 
I can't worry about. I'd, and and then that's when faith comes into play. Ah, of course, of course. We, as human beings, in the end, we don't know shit. We think we, <laughs> we really don't. We know think any. we do. We don't know how consciousness works. Oh my God, we think we. So do. How can we fix it when it when it yeah. messes up? You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a super solar at this point, and uh, I've I've really uh, have done a lot of research on it myself, and. You know, what you learn about the universe and the soul and energy and, and everything in between and the power of now, Eckhart Tolle and, and, and the rest of these, uh, these big brains, you know, you realize you, you can't compete with the knowledge of the universe. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave with that, Dr. Steve. I, I yeah, love you, brother. I, I recommend people, if they've got nothing else to do, by the way, go listen to Alan Watts' lectures on this yes. stuff. Yes. He was an amazing philosopher and a student of uh, all religion, and particularly Eastern religions. And uh, there's one called The Myth of Myself, which is just a great listen. And it will give you stuff to think about. Yeah. He's not preaching at you. He just want, he wants, to, wants you to think about stuff. And I'll throw in uh, Joseph Campbell while we're at it. You know. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Look at this is a great time to catch up on shit like that. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, you know, accomplishing. I'm telling people, do some things that you've been putting off while yep. you're stuck in the house yep. that you can do while you're stuck in the house, and you'll uh, achieve some sense of accomplishment when you do that. Even if it's just cleaning out that fucking closet that's been driving you crazy for the last three years. Yeah, man, take advantage of it because uh, we'll be on the other side of this, and then we'll be all lost in our phones, wandering around the streets again. You know, I'm, yep, yep. I'm, oh, I'm, and. Those who aren't aware, the Roaring Twenties. Go, go, Google it. It was what, what happened at the end of the Twenties. wasn't so good, but that that was a different thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. Great Depression is it was, it was not a natural consequence of the Roaring Twenties. But the Roaring Twenties came out of the pandemic of 1918. So our version of the Roaring Twenties are going to be epic. Oh my God! It's going to be, awesome. gonna be a hell of a party. We just got to through this. Yeah, imagine our ancestors. They uh, the flu of nineteen eighteen, the what the Spanish flu. Then they had the Roaring Twenties, and then they went into a depression. Oh my yeah. God, is that a crazy decade? Yeah. All right, Doctor yeah. Steve, I'm babbling. Uh, any plugs for the people? No, just uh, Weird Medicine on uh, Riotcast and uh, iTunes and uh, on. Sirius XM, uh, channel 103, uh, Saturdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at uh, 5 p.m. and on demand. And then I'm doing this weekly COVID uh, situation report on the Laugh Button YouTube channel. Nice. So just go to YouTube and Google or, or, and just search for Laugh Button and you'll find it. All right. Just so you know, at this point in my life, I don't even think about Sirius XM anymore. I know. I, I just, I just don't. I, good, bad, or indifferent. I, I, it's, it doesn't even enter my brain unless uh, my old friend Doctor Steve mentions it. All right, Steve. Th th <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we got to do another one of these in a few weeks because, okay, man. I, I yeah. got to say really Anytime. fast. Your info on this has been spot on from, uh, from the jump, and uh, you know more well, people done. should be listening to you uh, and your podcast because you're doing regular updates all the time, and and your stuff's very, very accurate. So I thank you. Well, I'll have I'll have my share of flubs on this, but I try to correct them as quickly as I yeah, can. Yeah, of course, I, of course. One, so. But your batting average Thanks, is man. way up there. And stay it's, healthy. Yeah, and keep your family healthy. And uh, if I can do anything for you guys, let me know. I might need some allergy pills, <laughs> so people don't <laughs> look at me. Some. So people don't look at me funny in the supermarket because I'm sneezing because the the Dude, pollen's I'm in the all same over the place. Exact thing. Yeah, yeah, you know. 
you do one sneeze. I have, thank God I haven't sneezed in public, but you know, people are just going to uh, run for the hills. Exactly. Appropriately so, actually. Of course. All right, buddy. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, man. All right. I'll see you. Okay. Dr. Steve, that rocked. Oh, that rocked. He hung up. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, ah, I was going to plug stuff. It don't matter. Just uh, keep yourself and your family safe. All right? All right. Peace. Boo 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 bo